Food bloggers, hi, how are you today? Thank you so much for tuning in to the Eat Blog Talk podcast. This is the place for food bloggers to get information and inspiration to accelerate your blog's growth and ultimately help you to achieve your freedom, whether that's financial, personal, or professional. I'm Megan Porta, and I've been a food blogger for over 12 years. I understand how isolating food blogging can be at times. I'm on a mission to motivate, inspire, and most importantly, let each and every food blogger, including you, know that you are heard and supported. If you are anything like me, you started blogging and just did your own thing in many different areas and then realized that you maybe did a few things wrong. So you had to go back and redo some things. I had to redo a lot of things and I'm still redoing some of those things 13 years later. So Tammy from Scotch and Scones joins me inside this episode to talk about just this. She started her food blog in 2019 really buckled down at that time to make it a successful business. There were a handful of things that popped up that she had been doing wrong and that she changed and immediately made her blog improve in various ways. So she talks through these things inside the episode, things like choosing the right theme for your WordPress site, taking pictures the right way, even if it's just pictures on your iPhone or your Google Pixel, learning about SEO and keyword research, and so much more inside the episode. Whether you are a new blogger or a more advanced blogger, you will find value here. This is episode number 439, sponsored by Rank IQ. Food bloggers, real quick, want to hop in to tell you about an exciting opportunity for all of you travel lovers out there. A lot of you foodies are also big on exploring our country. If you plan on exploring New York City anytime soon, this might be a great opportunity for you. And if part of your audience relates to travel, they could benefit from this as well. The New York City Borough Pass is the best way to experience the unique cultures and stories of New York City. This sightseeing pass for sustainable cultural travel provides access to a diverse roster of attractions, tours, and performing arts venues in each of the five boroughs of New York City like the Alice Austin House Museum, where you can explore the life of the LGBTQ icon, or the 250-acre New York Botanical Garden that houses over 1 million living plants, or the City Reliquary Museum with its quirky and hyper-local New York City collections. The best part? Eat Blog Talk listeners receive a 10% off of 1, 3, 7, and 90-day options with the code EATBLOGNYC so you can choose the perfect duration for your adventure in the city. What are you waiting for? Get your New York City Borough Pass today and discover the beauty of the people and places that make New York City one of the world's most vibrant and exciting destinations. Go to nycboroughpass.com to get yours now. nycboroughpass.com. Use code EATBLOGNYC. Tammy Spencer started Scotch and Scones in 2017 as a way to keep track of her whiskey tasting notes and to share her experiences of having fun baking. In 2019, she devoted herself full-time to developing her site for commercial success, learning about the business of growing a blog from the ground up. And since then, she has applied her culinary school training by sharing recipes and tips for desserts, bread, and other goodies that home cooks will feel confident creating. Hello, Tammy. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. How are you today? Hi, Megan. It's so good to talk to you. Yay. I know I'm excited to hear more about your blogging journey and all that you've learned. But first, do you have a fun fact to share? Well, I've actually had a very wide-ranging career. I started out life as an aerospace engineer, and I worked on the space shuttle. 
And I've been a math tutor, a mural artist, a website designer, and a preschool teacher. But then I decided to go to culinary school and focus on food and talking about food. I don't even know what to ask you. (laughs) There's so much there. (laughs) My brain went in a million different places. That's so cool. So, like, I don't know. Are you just an adventurous soul? I am a curious soul. So uh, what will what will happen is I go one way and I get I get interested in it and then I start to kind of veer off and oh let's see about this one and then I'll kind of go into that. I'm I'm just curious about life in general. Which I think is the greatest thing that you can be given because <laughs> curiosity leads you to experiences and different people and so many things that you can uh, go through without having that curiosity. So love that. Oh my goodness. (laughs) What do you think will be next? What's next on your curiosity agenda? Well, from blogging, I'm looking to go into more like writing. I mean, so many food bloggers go into books and cookbooks and things like that. And so for me, I think that might be the next challenge because I've never actually written out uh, lots and lots and lots of recipes to, to it within one theme and, and just see how that works. I'd love to just experiment with that. I love it. I love that you had an answer for that too. That's amazing. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about your blogging journey. So a little snippet of your life, one of your curiosities. Tell us when you started and how your journey has evolved to today. I originally started the blog back in 2017. I wanted a place to write about my whiskey tasting notes because at that time I got curious about tasting whiskey, tasting bourbons, and, and I need to write things down so that I will remember them. So with that, if I went into a restaurant, I would know what to order. And I would look up and say, oh, yeah, I like that one. I can go taste taste that one. But so what happened was the place where I was keeping my notes crashed. And I thought, well, having a an online presence would be a better place to keep my notes. So I started writing about my whiskey tasting notes. And I also love baking. I love the science and the magic of food, about how disparate ingredients come together to make something yummy. And I'm a mom, I have two daughters, and food is love. So taking care of them, taking care of my family, and giving them wonderful, nutritious foods led me to want to share with others what I did, how I did it, the experiences that I had as first a home chef and then going into culinary school and then coming out with a little more technique, but still making mistakes like everyone else. And I wanted to share my mistakes and my experiences with folks. So that's kind of how I started just writing things down. I originally wanted to write a diary, so to speak. Back then, you know, blogs were that, just blogs. And I didn't know what I didn't know. So I didn't know that when you just start writing something, it's not going to become instantaneously popular and lots of people will see it and find it. So it kind of started the journey there. And then as I learned more and more of what a blog really is and how it's run in 2019, just before the the shutdown, I really started focusing on making that a goal to become a professional, successful website. Oh, that's amazing. Okay, so you started in 17 just logging, and then in 2019, you really dedicated yourself to making this work. 
as a business. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. So you have learned some things along the way, what's important, some things that we need to keep top of mind in yeah. order to turn our blogs into successful food blogs. So what are some of those things that you've learned along the way? Well, one of the very first things I learned back then I was on WordPress.com, you know, before it was just the free way of getting onto the internet. And WordPress.com has specific themes that are available to allow you to have the layout for your blog. So I chose one and just started going from there. And then when I decided to get my own uh, URL, my dedicated URL, and I had to migrate from WordPress.com to WordPress.org, I found out that the themes that I were using weren't necessarily the best or most efficient ways to go about presenting the blog on the internet. And getting the right theme is so important nowadays for page speed, for SEO benefits. Everybody talks about core web vitals and how fast your your site has to be. And the theme plays a big part of that. If you, you want something that not only is going to make your site look good and come up fast, but also a theme that has support so that as things change, you will have somebody behind the scenes working to update the theme so that you don't have to do it. You don't need to know the nuts and bolts of it. And you can continue on building your blog without worrying about your theme bogging you down. So that's one of the very first things I think is important. Yeah, an important lesson, (laughs) a hard lesson when you choose a wrong theme, right? And then you have to redo it. And you have to redo it. And I I had to redo it probably like three or four times before I finally settled on the the best theme. And I actually found this theme through a word of mouth. You know, I was I was chatting with somebody on Facebook on one of the food blogging groups that are out there. And this gentleman said, hey, you should use this theme and I'll help you put it together, which I thought, oh my God, what a great, what a nice thing to do. And to have that support, have somebody, you know, like a big brother to kind of pull you along and give you a little bit of a steering mechanism, so to speak made a big difference for me. So what theme did you land on? What theme has been really good for you? I use themes from Feast, so Feast Design Co. And I'm using the Brunch, what is it called? Brunch Pro, I think it's called. Okay. They have like five or six different overall themes. And then within that, of course, you can can customize it to your advantage. But the beauty of using a Feast theme is they have a plugin that they're constantly updating that allows you to have the theme updated and the folks over there are super responsive and when it ha- if you have a question if you have a problem you support you submit a ticket so i really like the fact that not only do i get this one time theme but i get the support along with it and having support is just it's indispensable in so many of these oh, different aspects that, yeah that we can talk about because you don't know what you don't know Oh my gosh, that's so true. Support is huge these days. If you can find mm-hmm. a service or a tool that has great support, it's so meaningful. And I'm a huge fan of the Feast theme as well. I use it on my own mm-hmm. site and it's so nice. There's so many things that you can customize inside of there. And it's kind of like peace of mind, right? Like you don't have to worry about the back end stuff that a lot of food bloggers really don't want to think about. So yeah, huge fan here too. Yeah. What else have you learned along the way that you want to share? 
Well, another important piece, it's not just the theme you use, but where do you host your website? Again, originally WordPress.com, you just host it on, on their servers and you're done. But when it came time to have my own URL and I and now I have to choose where do I want those files to, to be, choosing the right host is is also paramount. I started with one, I went to another, and then I landed with Big Scoots. And Big Scoots is probably the best one out there. Again, they have fabulous technical support. They help if you need to migrate your site over, they're very good about doing it. And again, they're also on top of things. If something changes, they will let you know. Having the host the thing about that is not only do you want the peace of mind that your files are safe so that they'll be backed up, but that the the, the servers that you're posting your site on aren't going to go down every, every you know, however often, God forbid, they go down at all. But to be able to, to know that your files are there and you when you need them and they're run by professionals who know what, what they're doing and can help you when you need it. It's just, it's a big part of it. It's invaluable. Their top-notch, their hosting is top-notch as far as support, quality, everything. Again, like I'm echoing what you are saying here too. And I use Big Scoots as well. I know a lot of food bloggers do. And I will say like it's on the higher end of the investment scale. But if you ever have been in a situation where you've had really low quality hosting, I've gotten to the point where I'm like, I will pay anything to not have to deal because like you said, like your site's going down and you're not told about it. And then the support, oh my gosh, I had a nightmare situation a few years ago where I was on, I was on hold endlessly and then got transferred to like, I think I counted like 20 different people tried to help me and nobody could help me. And I was like, my site is down and no, and I was in tears. I didn't sleep. So after experiencing that, I'm like, you know what? I'll pay whatever you want me to pay to have peace of mind hosting. It's so worthwhile if you are like, exactly. oh, I don't know if I can afford that. Yes, you can. If you want to make this a business, yes, you should definitely invest in that. Absolutely. A lot of people want to start out with either very low cost plans or free plans but right. there's so many trade-offs when you go that route. And you, when, when I finally made the decision where I wasn't monetizing yet, but I'm like, this is worth it to me. And that's when I decided to go to, to them. Yeah. Unfortunately, some people have to get to the point of pain like I did in order to get there. So if you're listening and you haven't been to the point of pain, don't go there. <laughs> Avoid that because it's, it's so horrible. I don't wish that on anyone. All right, Tammy, what else do you have for us? Well, okay, since we're we're still talking about the tech side of things, I went a long long time before I had a tech help in terms of the front end, in terms of how to set things up, what's the best way. Site tech support is again one of those things that when you can afford it or even if you're not monetizing yet and you're willing to just spend a little bit of money to be able to at any time type a question into your to your tech support and have them respond quickly again is so invaluable to be able to have someone 
who can help you with setting up plugins, telling you when to update plugins, telling you when to not update plugins because they might crash your site, helping you with, oh my God, there's a new recommendation out there. How am I supposed to do that? And they're like, nah, you don't have to worry about it. Or here, let me help you do it. There are site tech supports out there. Some are more expensive than others. I personally, I use Grayson at iMark Interactive, who has a very, very good service record, and his costs are low comparatively to some of the other site support companies that are out there. And I would so recommend them because, again, it's one of those things that you you want to focus on the writing. You want to focus on the photography. You want to focus on the recipes. You don't want to have to focus on the HTML codes or the JPEGs or this or that or something else. You want to do what you come to do, which is to write a beautiful food blog. So that's why these 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 backend things, they're not glamorous, they're not fun. They may cost a little bit, but they're so worth it. Oh, worth the investment. Another investment worth making. I've never worked with Grayson and iMark, but I talk to many food bloggers who do, and I've heard all good things, exactly what you're saying, just like really responsive, low cost, really high quality. Also, I will put out there, I work with NerdPress. They're great. I love their team. They're so responsive. They're so kind, which matters to me. That's like a factor for me that personally matters. And just high quality, you know you're being covered. I just got an email actually right before we started this chat from NerdPress telling us about, uh, what is it, INP. It's a new ranking factor coming up. I'm like, oh, great, here we go. But I love that they give me the heads up for that so I know what to look out for and and I kind of know what it is briefly and... And not to panic about it. Yeah, not to panic. And that's their bottom line is like... It's okay. It's going to be okay. We'll keep you posted. But it's so worthwhile. Otherwise, I don't know when I would have learned this, right? Like, it's not going to be a ranking factor until March 2024, it looks like. I wouldn't have known that. Who knows when? So it it is worthwhile. Yeah. I got that same email about about INPs coming out. I'm like, oh, now I know. I don't have to deal with this right now. (laughs) Right. Something to have on your radar, but in the back of your (laughs) mind. Don't (laughs) fret about it now because there's a a lot of other things to worry about right now. Right. Okay. Outside of tech support, what else? Well, what I was going to say is that, yeah, all that stuff is the unglamorous back end. But again, when I first started, I knew about writing recipes in terms of, you know, making sure that it's formatted properly. But how do you present this to, to others so that it's compelling to them? Learning how to take good food photography pictures was a huge learning curve for me. I was not, I'm not a professional photographer, and in no way I still have trouble wrapping my mind around F-stops and ISOs. I don't know why, hmm. but, uh, but there are so many resources out there that you can use to learn about taking good food photography, to learn about lighting your, your scene, and you don't have to spend a lot of money on high-end cameras. That's something that is a lot of people have wonderful cameras and and they they know exactly how to use them. I use my iPhone and I've used my iPhone since the beginning. The difference is that now I have different apps that I use for my iPhone. I've I've learned what kind of lighting works best for my kitchen. And having having the, the ability to, again, ask people for help. I took a class called from the Beyond Baking, I can't say it, Beyond Baking Bootcamp. They had a food photography course 
that was super interactive and really, really helpful. And you can use your, your phone to do it. You can use your camera to do it. She has both sides in her class. So being able to take compelling pictures and learning how to set them up and learn how to light them made a huge difference from the beginning of my blogging journey to now. I think my food photography has gotten much better and I actually have gotten compliments on that. So it's kind of like, yeah, okay, nice. Hello, amazing food bloggers. Here are a few of the lesser known features that I love about my favorite keyword research tool, Rank IQ. Number one, did you know that you don't have to find a keyword in the tool in order to run it through the optimizer? It's true, a report can be run on any keyword and the optimizer in Rank IQ is the best ever. Two, once you decide on a keyword and run a report on it, you can run an SEO report for a very detailed analysis of the keyword. There's an educational video showing you how to identify clusters around sub-themes so you know which subtopics to cover within the blog post as well. And number three, the customer service at RankIQ is the best. You will always get a thoughtful, fast reply no matter if you have a recommendation or an issue. Go to rankiq.com to see for yourself how awesome this tool is. Now let's get back to the episode. I love that you use your phone. I love it so much. I love it when people are like going out there and proving that you don't need the expensive equipment, that you don't need all the knowledge or skills that you can make this work with kind of bare minimum and starting with a phone. And I think that's so cool. I love that so much. Okay. So pictures are important though. Through editing, you can tweak anything that goes wrong through your photography. You can learn more about photo editing, but they are really important. What else do you have for us, Tammy? Well, I will say about playing with recipes and having the confidence of not just You don't have to write your own recipes from scratch all the time. You know, a lot of people think, oh, I have to be, you know, a high-end chef in a a fine dining restaurant for 10 years before I reach the culinary level of knowledge that these people online seem to have. And, And I would say that that's not necessarily true. You can be a home chef and you can take recipes, tweak them in some manner, and make them your own that way. You don't have to start from scratch, in other words. Getting comfortable with adapting existing recipes to make them your own gives you the skills, gives you the confidence, and going, wait a minute, I am a chef. Because I took a recipe, I changed it, I made it better as far as what you know works for, my, for me. Yeah, I'm a chef. Yay. And then I can go ahead and write about it. Yeah. And do you feel like this is something like if somebody starts out, this is my journey, mm-hmm. not really being like an adept cook or anything like that, but you kind of learn as you go that along the way, somewhere along the way, you're like what you just said, oh my gosh, I think I might be a chef. I think I might actually be a really good recipe developer and a cook. It's something that is that can be learned. Exactly. It's something that you don't have to have a culinary school education. You don't have to have you know, ten, like I said, 10 years in fine dining. And you you can do it just from your own experiences. And, and those experiences may or may not work. You know, sometimes things fail and you learn from that as well. Yeah, so it, right. it's okay to, to just take your experiences and, and the things that you're comfortable with and go forward from there. Yes, I love this one. Okay, uh, what else do you have, Tammy? So we've talked about 
the back end staff, we've talked about being comfortable with the content that you're creating, the recipes you're creating. We've talked about taking the pictures so that people are, are they want to come to your site, they want to see and, and learn from you. But how do they come to find you? I mean, SEO is a huge portion of writing a blog. It's not just writing the recipe and a few notes and taking a picture and putting it out there and hoping people will find you because unfortunately that's not the way it works. It's not like on Ju- I remember the movie Julie and Julia where she started just writing her experiences with Julia Child's cookbook and all of a sudden she has, you know, 10,000 followers. It's not like that anymore. <laughs> and so you need to understand about SEO, search engine optimization from the bottom up. And the best way to do that, there are webinars out there, there are conferences, both virtual and in person. And there are people who are experts who you constantly will see answering questions online on Facebook. Casey Markey is a good example, Arsene Rabinovich, Andrew Wilder, who you mentioned from NerdPress, those those three are the, the big three that help to usually answer the questions from the top hat rank SEO webinar, which are free webinars that are incredibly valuable. You learn so much of what to do and what not to do. Yeah, I highly recommend those two. And those are amazing. And I love that they're free. Anyone can watch them. Absolutely. The big, big word beyond SEO is, of course, keyword research. And I know you had on your on your show recently, Aleka Shank from Cooking with Keywords, and her class is amazing. Her support is amazing. Learning what it, it's not just picking your favorite recipe and just starting to write about it, but you have to do it in a, such a manner that matches what people are actually looking for on the web. Yeah, and that's how you get found. And I didn't know to do that in the beginning. None of us did. <laughs> we were all exactly, like, exactly. let's make this random thing and <laughs> throw it up. Exactly. Just writing a blog and hoping people will find it. Yeah. The thing also that, that's important to realize is that when you're writing, you don't just write for yourself. You're writing for an audience. You're writing for people who may or may not have a culinary background. So you have to remember to keep it in the level that most people understand. And here's the example I use. I write my blog post and then my husband, who has no culinary experience whatsoever, (laughs) he goes through and he reads it to me and he'll say, what does this mean? I don't understand Ah. this term. And that's so so smart. I love that. Yeah, it's. It's good to have someone with a with who's not in the cook not yeah. in the sphere all the time to to kind of take you back a couple steps and and maybe define things a little bit better or or present them in a different way because we forget that it's out like we're not the only ones reading this that there are other perspectives other ways to look at our content what we write and what we put together I think that is so smart that makes me want to send it to like I don't know, my father-in-law or something and have him look through it. He'd be like, what is all of this? I don't know what any of this means, but that might be good, right? Good feedback. <laughs> exactly. anyway. One other important resource to, to look at when you get to the point that you do want to spend the money 
is to have your site audited by one of these, one of the experts, Casey Markey, Arson. I know there's, there's other site auditors out there and they will go through basically and tell you all the things you didn't know, you didn't know (laughs) and tell you how to change things. And I, I will tell you this. I had an audit with Casey two years ago and I, he told me, you know, this is what each post, you know, this is what a post should look like and this is what it needs to do. I have taken the last two years and gone back to my old posts and have updated them. I've updated them for keyword research. I've updated them for SEO, food photography, layout, all these different factors that we've been talking about. And it's okay to do that. It's okay to go back to your old posts and make them better. I know that people will say, oh, don't talk, don't touch your top posts if they're in the top three spots of the search engine results. And that's a good point. But I'm a big believer in making things uniform and, and I want to make things right. And I don't feel that it's a bad habit to go back to your old posts, make them better. And you don't have to necessarily put out new content every week. If you focus on your old content, that will help you. And I will say for me, it's taken me two years to do it, but I went through all my old posts and my traffic is, has been up for the last two years as, as I've slowly gone through it. So it, it makes a huge difference. I really, it really does. I'm so glad that made a difference for you. I've found the same, Tammy. I've been spending the last couple of years not at all focusing on new recipes. I've done some new content, but non-recipe content. But as far as recipes go, I've just been going through a lot of my old content and it makes a huge difference. Like even doing just a couple a month is huge for my traffic and overall website health, I think. Absolutely. And it's, you know, what's happened uh, several times over the course of this, this site audit that I've been doing on my own site is that I'll be doing something one way and then something will change. And it's like, Oh, great. I get to go back and do it all over again. And sometimes <laughs> it'll be, yeah, exactly. Sometimes it'll be, okay, I have to do this one thing to everything now because it's important. And something it's going to be, okay, the next time I get back to that post, I will, I will change it and make and bring it up to speed. Um, if it's not a huge or if it's more of a cosmetic change, whatever, yeah. but it's going to be an ongoing thing. It, it, site auditing is not something that's one and done. It's something that you're going to be constantly going back and, and tweaking and making things better as the environment changes. And not to be frustrated with that, right? To expect that going in, that things are never going to be at a static point where you're like, okay, good. We're all set yeah, here. Yeah, you're, you're never done. It's, no, <laughs> it's never done. I've been doing this for 13 years and it's never, oh. ever been like that where I'm like, oh, phew, I can kick my feet up. Never. And that's just the name of the game. So expect that and you'll be just fine. Okay. So beyond tech stuff, photos, themes, SEO, keyword research, is there anything else that should be at the top of our minds? When we talked about in the very beginning that I'm a curious person, I'm still learning. Everything that we've done so far, I've learned along the way. And there's so much more coming out on the horizon. Of course, the big news is the the AI and the, the chat GPT and how that's going to affect not only how we write, but how our sites get displayed and found. 
So learning about that, being open to learning is going to be, it's a challenge. It's a frustration because you think, oh, I know how this goes. And the next thing you know, something is tweaked and it's like, oh man, that's not the way it is anymore. Social media is changing. You know, we, we, it used to be that you could post a little static pin on Pinterest and, and have things go wild. Or there was a time when web stories were the, the name of the game. And now, for me at least, not so much. I know other people have really good luck with that. Just being open to what's coming on and being nimble enough to switch how you do things as things change, I think is just a, it's one of the harder parts of blogging, but it's also something that keeps things a little bit fresh too. Mm, so you don't, yeah. you, you don't get, it doesn't get stale. Oh, that's so true. It keeps it exciting. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. as you were talking through that, I just had the vision of like water, like be water, just be the element that kind of goes with the flow and doesn't try to resist, doesn't try to fight back. It's just like we were saying a little bit earlier, it's the name of the game. This is how it's going to be. So you might as well let the water take you, right? Exactly. Exactly. Any key points that we're missing, Tammy? The only other thing that I am looking into personally right now is looking to expand my revenue stream. So instead of just relying on advertising, I know people are now starting to offer their services either with coaching calls or with photography classes. Writing my first ebook is something that I am looking at right now. Just at the beginning, we talked about what the next step was. And for me, that's what it is. I want to see about writing an ebook and, and seeing what's involved in that and going slowly. It doesn't have to be war and peace. You know, it can be a little... It could be a little pamphlet at the beginning, but just something so that you get your toes wet and get confidence in it, like when you're first doing recipes, learning to tweak it and make get yourself to the point where, yeah, I can do that. I am going to write a, a larger cookbook and see where that goes. Mm, I love that recommendation. And there are so many ways that food bloggers can monetize outside of display ads. I just want to say that too. We often get so locked into just wanting those ads and, you know, like focusing on the traffic so much that we forget that there are other ways to go about making money, but there really are great options. I'll throw in a little plug for my free monetization quiz here. If you want direction as to like which way to go, I have this quiz that takes like three minutes. you it's totally free. You just um, answer a few questions about what you like and what your skills are. And then at the end, it gives you um, like, I think top 10, there's 10 or more recommendations in order what to pursue. So it's kind of helpful. But you can go to eblogtalk.com forward slash quiz and take that. It's really, it's kind of fun. It's like, oh, I didn't realize I'd be good at that. But then it makes you kind of rethink what what your skills are and all of that. So just something to throw out there. I think that's fabulous. I mean, because again, you're, we're, we're, we're working kind of as lonely people in our, you know, wherever we work in our rooms and we're only on the computer and we don't have other people to bounce things off of. To have something like that where you can get some ideas is invaluable. I think that's great. I'm going to be taking your quiz. <laughs> yeah, I've had people take it who respond and they're like, oh, this is perfect, but I wasn't thinking of it. We can get in our own heads about what we're good at or what we should be focusing on, but sometimes we just need an outside force telling us, wait, you might be really good at this. Why don't you think 
you know, think about this avenue, whatever. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks, Tammy. This has all been so great. And then I was going to ask you one last question. If you could go back to 2019 when you decided to make this a full-time business and you could change one thing, only one thing, what would you change? There's so much I didn't do then that I know to do now. And I'm the type of person that I want to know things. I want to learn and I want to be able to master it. If I were to say, oh, I want to be better at food photography, that would leave out all this other stuff mm. that I got that I got good at. So I would say that for me, there's no one thing I, w- I could point to. I know that's a wishy-washy answer. But- no, I like it because you are... I think it implies that you are embracing your journey just as it is and just allowing it to kind of take shape in the way that it was supposed to, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. (laughs) Well, it's been such a pleasure to connect with you and talk to you. And I know this episode is going to just help people give them confidence and information about what they need to have on their minds as they dig into blogging as a successful business journey. So thank you for your time today. Oh, thank you for having me. It was lovely talking with you. Yeah, of course. And do you have either a favorite quote or words of inspiration to leave us with today? One of my favorite things, it was on a poster in my bedroom when I was a girl. It's called, it says, only those who risk going too far can possibly find how far they can go. And I've always lived by those words. I know this about you just from our little chat here and all of your curiosity <laughs> and achievements. I love the, yeah, I love the message behind that. So thanks for sharing that. We'll put together a show notes page for you, Tammy. If you want to go look at those, you can go to eatblogtalk.com forward slash scotch and scones. Tell everyone where they can find you, Tammy. The blog is scotchandscones.com. And if you want to find me on Instagram, I am at scotch underscore scones same with pinterest and on facebook i am at scotch and scones blog okay everyone go check out tammy's website and socials and thank you so much again tammy for being here and thank you for listening today food bloggers i will see you in the next episode Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Eat Blog Talk. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful if you posted it to your social media feed and stories. I will see you next time.